Ahab covets Naboth's vineyard. News at 10. Am I the only one who cares? Here, as we come into uh, chapter 21, 1 Kings, we are reintroduced to Elijah. The Holy Spirit gives us, has preserved this story that we might continue to see how desperately wicked Ahab is and then Jezebel and the the evil influence that they've had on the people around them it's 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 for all that's happened it's it's a it, it, it's a marvel that uh, the Israelites would, would trust Ahab or Jezebel with anything they would say or do. We have to keep in mind what has just been given to us in 1 Kings, which is namely the great victory that Ahab has scored over the Aramaeans, over Syria. Adam. And twice the victory was given, given over Syria, over Aram the first time. And Yahweh said, so that you'll know that Yahweh is God in Israel. Then remember they the, the ones who were defeated in war said, well, their God is a mountain God and we fought on the mountain and our God was at a disadvantage. And so we're going we're gonna to go after him on the plains next time. And they did. And uh, Yahweh, through the prophet, had said he would deliver uh, Syria into the hand of Ahab. And he did the second time, this time on the plains. And... Before it happened, Yahweh said, it's going to happen so that you may know that Yahweh is God in Israel. Twice. For all that uh, Ahab and, and, and Jezebel had done, yet still, Yahweh is willing to give him this stunning victory over a much larger uh, army. It was, a, it was an alliance, you may remember, 32 smaller king, kingdoms, 32 kings, along with uh, Ben-Hadad and Syria and Aram. So it was, a, it was a, a, a large army that he came against. The number is given there. And then there were 7,000 that went forth with uh, Israel. And after all of that, you would think that Ahab would straighten up, that he would be a worshiper, a serious worshiper of, of Yahweh, and that he would tend to Jezebel, this priestess of Baal. 
But we're going to see for all that God had done for him, even in his wickedness, to show him that he also remember the victory of Elijah on Carmel over the prophets of Baal and, and, and of Asharim as well. It was a magnificent, stunning victory and all of the people started yelling, all the Israelites started yelling and shouting, Yahweh, he is God, Yahweh, he is God, great revival. So here, Elijah has been gone for a while. And Ahab has returned from this war and all this. So here we go in beginning in verse 1. And it was after these happenings that Nabat the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. Ahab spoke to Nabat saying, give me your vineyard and I will have it for a vegetable garden since it's near my house. And I will give you instead of it a vineyard which is better than it is. Or if it pleases you, I will give you money. I will give you what it's worth. Nabat said to Ahab, Yahweh forbid me to give the inheritance of my forefathers to you. This is supposed to be the kind of thing that's perpetual among the tribes and the families of Israel, which this particular thing would include the southern kingdom as well. These descendants of Jacob of Israel when Joshua crossed over in the campaign were given by tribe and family a permanent inheritance in the land, the land of promise, the land of Canaan. And it was, it was in the law that uh, if a person became foolish and he lost the title deed, then it would have to be restored in the year of Jubilee. So if this man had agreed to that, it would make him, it would shame him. It would make him look like he didn't care for the inheritance that Yahweh had provided him through his forefathers. Well, this was a kind of a shame. He said, I can't do that. Uh, Yahweh forbid me to give the inheritance of my forefathers to you. Ahab came to his house sad and upset. Because of the matter that Nabat the Jezreelite had spoken to him, he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my forefathers. So Ahab lay on his bed and he turned his face away and he didn't eat supper. Now, the word bed there comes from the Hebrew word that refers to the reclining pillow that was there for the purpose of sitting down at a supper table or kneeling down. And most of the time, a lot of people would lay on their side and, 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 and recline in some way and they would eat what supper was there. But as he came and reclined at the supper table, instead of looking at the food, he just thumped over and looked the other way because he was sad. He didn't get his way. Now that, that never happens at our house or your house. I'm sure it never has happened that someone would pout. And, uh, and I got to tell you, I never could figure out why you would not eat. 
to punish the situation. That just didn't seem right to me. I might pout, but it was after I ate something, <laughs> obviously. Um, but he was pouting <laughs> and he uh, turned his face away and he looked the other way from supper. And Jezebel, his wife, came to him and spoke to him. For what is this that your spirit has left you and you're not eating supper? He spoke to her. I've spoken to Nabot the Jezreelite and I said to him, give me your vineyard for money or if you wish, I'll give you a vineyard instead of it. And he said, I will not give you my vineyard. This is the king, you understand, this is the king of Israel. Jezebel, his wife, said to him, do you now exercise kingly power over Israel? Arise and eat your supper. Let your heart be merry. I'll take care of this. I will give you Nebuchadnezzar the Jezreelite's vineyard. Now it wasn't Ahab and his chariots who chased after Elijah after Carmel, after the Carmel incident. It was Jezebel and her chariots. I mean, look, face it, she's in charge. The whole nation has fallen, had, had been falling under Baal worship. And she's sort of making fun of Ahab, you know, well, where's all this kingly power that you're supposed to have? I want you to be happy. Just raise up here, eat your supper, and be happy. Let's have a good time, and I'll take care of this for you. I will give you the Jezreelites' vineyard. So now Jezebel devises this, this wicked plan. She wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal, and she sent the letters to the elders and the officials who were in his city, who sat with Nebat. And she wrote letters saying, Proclaim a fast and place Nebat in the forefront of the people. And set up two sons of Belial. Two, Belial means worthless. Sons of worthlessness. Use, useless, just, just tacky, no good people. That's how my mother would have described them back in the day. Two sons of Belial opposite him, and they will testify against him, saying, You have cursed Elohim and the king, and they shall remove him and stone him, and he'll die. So they're going to trump up charges. This is the official king's letter, the official seal of the king. And the plan is made. We'll have witnesses there to testify against Nebat that he has cursed God and he has cursed the king as well. We'll stone him and he'll die. And the men of the city did, the men of his city did and the elders and the officials that dwelled in his city as Jezebel sent to them as it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast they set Nabot at the head of the table of the people. And the two worthless sons of Belial, wicked men, came and sat opposite him. And the wicked, the sons of Belial, literally it says sons of Belial, worthless, useless, wicked men, 
testified against Nebot in front of the people, saying, Nebot cursed Elohim and the king. They took him out of the city and stoned him with stones, and he died. Now, I suppose this has some weight. I don't know. You try to think like these people are thinking who were so quick to to take all of this in and stone this man to death, but maybe because it was from a letter with the king's seal, I, I don't know, but the charge was made and nothing else was done and they took him out and they stoned him to death. And they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and he's dead. And it was when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and that he died that Jezebel said to Ahab, Get up, take position of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not living, but he's dead. And it was as Ahab heard that Naboth had died that Ahab got up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Oh, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And he goes right down and he takes the land. This brings the reintroduction of Elijah onto the scene. It's, it's, it's been a while since Elijah has confronted Ahab. Um, they haven't seen each other face to face in a very long time. But now he comes and denounces both Ahab and Jezebel, the word of Yahweh came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Arise and go down toward Ahab, the king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he's in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone down to take possession of it. And you shall speak to him, saying, So said Yahweh, Have you murdered and also inherited? And, and the Hebraistic dot, dot, dot that follows would be parentheses, that which is not yours to inherit? Is that what you've done by murder? And you shall speak to him saying, thus said Yahweh, in the place that the dogs have licked the blood of Nebot, shall the dogs lick your blood, even yours. And Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, my enemy? Now, the last time they met, he called him the troubler of Israel. Now he calls him his enemy, even though realistically, I, Elijah was the best friend he had. And Elijah said, and Elijah assumes the position of his enemy. I found you. I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is bad in the eyes of Yahweh. I will bring disaster upon you and I will expunge after you and I will cut off from Ahab every male child and those that are restrained and those that are free in Israel. And I will make your house as the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the anger which you have angered me and you have caused Israel to sin. So he's, he has his own personal covetousness that teamed up with Jezebel would make it seem that he could do whatever he wanted to do. He was, he was unchecked in all things, and if he coveted for it, he could, at least his wife, uh, could come up with a conspiracy 
uh, to see to it that he, it, was, it was his. Well, it wasn't written that way in the law of Moses, you see. There's a, uh, there's a, a breach here that is, is just disallowed and Yahweh has to show his people that not even the king can breach the issues of the law. He came about this so-called inheritance uh, and not just in a dishonest way, but in a horrible way, which, you know, he was going to get it one way or the other and his wife uh, plotted to have Nebat murdered with false accusation. Not just that, but the people went right along with it. The elders of Jezreel were there. The officials were there. And uh, no one questioned anything. They went right along with it. So this, this brings Yahweh into the scene. And in bringing Yahweh into the scene, he brings his prophet into the scene, Elijah, the great prophet. And so he sends him then to confront Ahab in this sin and declares that the household of Ahab has come to an end. That he's going to be killed and that his, uh, that his blood will be licked up by, by dogs. Not just that. His house is going to become desolate. And then Jezebel. And also concerning Jezebel, Yahweh spoke saying, the dogs will eat Jezebel in the valley of Jezreel. Now that's where all this bad stuff had just happened. The dead of Ahab in the city will be eaten by the dogs. And the dead in the fields, the fowl of the sky, will eat. Now this is the judgment of Yahweh against Ahab and Jezebel. Not just against them, but against his whole family. All who are in his household. Any, any one of his children or whatever. The household of Ahab will come to an end. So Ahab gets to feeling bad about this. But there was none like Ahab who, whoa, yeah, that's it, who sold himself to do bad in the eyes of Yahweh, that Jezebel, his wife, instigated him. Look at that. Nobody, see, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the issue of Nabat's vineyard. It is that the king, obviously, along with his wife, would be willing to do anything they wanted to do and to lay aside uh, the particulars and the specifics of the law of Moses regarding the land and take whatever they uh, wanted to take, murder whoever they wanted to murder, buy in whoever they wanted to buy in, write any kind of official letter that they wanted to write, do whatever they wanted to do for their sakes, for the sake of their satisfaction. So this is another charge. You know, they already said that no, no king had ever been as bad as Ahab. But here it goes on and it says, nobody like Ahab had sold himself to do evil like this in the eyes of Yahweh. That Jezebel, his wife, instigated him. Jezebel would come up with the plan. Ahab had the seal that she could use to seal any kind of official letter as the king. And so the two of them were just horrible. They had led the whole nation 
of the northern kingdom into the worship of Baal and all of the terrible things that go along with that worship. And now they're just, they're just unrestrained, even though Yahweh has given him these victories, specifically so that he might see and know and understand that Yahweh is God in Israel. Twice, not just once, but twice, notwithstanding the encounter of uh, Elijah on Carmel with the prophets of Baal. So after all that Yahweh has presented, yet still it doesn't slow down Ahab and Jezebel. Nobody, the Bible says, had sold himself out to evil in the eyes of Yahweh the way that Ahab and Jezebel did. And he very abominably went after idols. That means that he he was unrestrained in his pursuit of idols and the terrible worship that went along with it. Like all that the Amorites had done when Yahweh had expelled uh, before, had expelled them, um, whom Yahweh had expelled, no, that's right, from before the sons of Israel. Already, already the example has been given, and I don't know why these people couldn't understand or learn. And it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his garments, put sackcloth on his flesh, and fasted, and he went and lay in the sackcloth and walked slowly. And it was the word of Yahweh to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen that Ahab is submissive to me? You see, verse 29 tells us that Yahweh senses the deep regret of Ahab. And so he puts puts a little minor condition on the judgment that has come. Have you seen that Ahab is submissive to me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the disaster on his house. Now the account that follows, of course, will be the account of Ahab's death. And then on into the overall account and context the death of Jezebel and the dogs licking the blood and all that stuff and the death of his household as well just as Yahweh through the prophet Elijah had said but because Ahab had made some kind of effort in repentance Yahweh will not bring this upon his household until after Ahab has died. He said, I'm, since this has happened, I'm not going to let it happen in his life. I'll let him live on. And he, he doesn't live long. And then I will deliver this judgment upon him, his household, his, his Jezebel. Then, you know... It begs the question, well, did he die a saved man? I'm not going to bet on it. My money is not going to be on it. He's not listed in Hebrews. 
11. And when the Bible says he did worse than anybody, that's, that's sort of a, a big statement. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to defer all judgment to God. We're going to stop there and we'll have deacon prayer time.